As we've discussed here almost every week, I teach that our thoughts create our results. So to change our experience, our results, we just need to notice our thoughts and decide if we like the results that those thoughts are creating and whether we want to continue thinking those thoughts. And I find that in my line of work, there are three main categories of people. The first group of people, they hear me say that our thoughts create our results and they're all in. Tell me everything they say. That's the best news I've heard. Now there's a second group that hears me say our thoughts create our results and they've got no time or belief for that whatsoever. And they just turn off the podcast or if we're on a consult call, they just kind of shut down and think nonsense, baloney, or one of those expressions that if I say I'm supposed to give my grandson a dollar. And then there's the third group, which is the one I have a special affinity for because it was me. It still is me sometimes. The third group hears me teach that our thoughts create our results and they think, I think, could that be true? So I'm not sure I can prove it, but I can't prove gravity either with my math skills and this brain. I can just keep trying and testing it. Our thoughts create our results. Believe it, don't believe it, or try and test it. Fine by me, because like most of the things going on around me in the universe at any given time, it's working, whether I believe it or not. Veg heads, veg your besties, welcome back to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here every single week to encourage you to eat more plants and set an impossible goal, whatever that is for you. And today we're on Veg Your Best episode 31, Thoughts About Creating our results. And this is the second and at least a three-part series. And again, I'm going to do a disclaimer and an apology. I've been waiting to record this today because there are trucks all around this area that are doing those backup beep, beep, beeps. So the quality may not be what I hope for, but we have to record this. So happy April 2021, quarter two, Q2 here. I am recording this at the end of March, but I'm hoping to be with all three of my children and partners and their partners and our grandson for Easter after, well, many months of not being all together. And I have been spoiled for years because our children have been, well, routinely nearby my husband and me. 
and big family get-togethers have until this past year been frequent. So if you and your dearest ones are still experiencing physical separation, I am sending you much heartfelt love. Our daughter-in-law has not been with her family for over a year due to travel bans, quarantine, and the exigencies of international travel. So it's a good moment to insert here that when I teach that our thoughts create our results, I do not mean that our thoughts create a pandemic or international travel restrictions or huge backloads of federal immigration and naturalization paperwork. But our thoughts create who we are and how we show up to all those externals that the Stoics taught us about. What in coaching and in self-coaching we call circumstances. And today, I'm going to give you a little practice in the self-coaching model. That's the model that my teacher, Brooke Castillo, designed by distilling many different wisdom and behavioral models to something that all of us can use quite easily, quite simply, to practice awareness of the role of our thoughts in our lives. So marriage, for example, is a legal or a religious partnership, which may be slightly or very different depending on where or when that marriage was entered into. Those laws or statutes regarding the marriage that can be entered into or dissolved or adjudicated, those are externals. But my experience of my marriage, your experience of your marriage, my spouse's experience of our marriage, the marriage we have, it's simply the result for each of us of all our individual thoughts about our marriage. That relationship, that marriage exists because of and only because of the thoughts we have about it. And that is the same with any relationship we have, any relationship with a family member, a parent, a sibling, an in-law, a child. It's all the result of all the thoughts we have about those people. And even the relationship, which is arguably the most important relationship we have, the one with ourselves. It's just the result of all the thoughts we have about ourselves. Scary, right? I don't know what your thoughts are about yourself, but mine can be scary. And they're not necessarily based on anything that you would ever agree about. Not my actual accomplishments or my attributes, not the things I do or the things I neglect. It's just how I think about myself. The sentences in our heads that we repeat, the evidence that we notice and reinforce when we consider ourselves, our thoughts about ourselves create the relationship we have with ourselves. So today, my listeners, to start 
you get to think about that troublesome person, that human who is making things so hard for you. The one who keeps coming up as the problem when things are not going the way you pictured or planned or the way you want. And you know, in coaching, sometimes my clients are, well, they're puzzled or downright annoyed because we don't talk enough about that other person, that boss, that colleague, the sibling or the spouse, because in general, I coach in a way where we stay in our lane, not because we're to blame, not because we're at fault, but because that's the only place we have any power. And we do this, this whole process by thinking about our thoughts, noticing our thoughts, challenging our thoughts. If you keep examining your thoughts, examining your mind, you will start to see that thoughts of who you are, who they are, and how it all is, well, those thoughts are creating the reality that you're experiencing. Most of the time when our relationships are struggling, we really want to focus on those actions that are causing the struggle. And that is mostly our partner's actions or our children's comments or sometimes our in-law's affect. So much easier to see that than where we might be contributing to a conflict or an atmosphere or an unhelpful environment that is contributing to that conflict. Me too, right? Me too. I have laser-like insight into what my family, friends, community, or spouse should be doing at any given moment. But changing behavior, changing actions, it doesn't just happen out of nowhere. There's a whole series of thoughts and emotions occurring beneath the surface that all too often we are ignoring. But that's what's driving the very behaviors that we so desperately want changed in our partners, in our colleagues, in our loved ones, and in ourselves. There's a person we are in relationship with, another human or maybe even ourselves, that human, or something she said, something he did, just the fact of that person, it's an external, a circumstance, something out of our control, because like it or not, and I am on the record as very frequently not liking it, humans have agency. Humans do what they want. I mean, maybe we and everyone we know thinks person X should not be doing that thing, but that's in a way kind of a misunderstanding, right? To think someone should not be doing something when they actually are, that's just arguing with reality. How do we know they actually should be doing that thing we don't like? Well, because they are. You can argue with reality. I try to. But remember Byron Katie's brilliant advice. 
You can argue with reality if you want to, but when we argue with reality, we lose, but only 100% of the time. Just that phrase alone has saved me acres, hectares for you metric vegheads of hurt. When we argue with reality, we lose, but only 100% of the time. There may be a law or a commandment or a social contract or convention that says, no, they can't. But I think we all know that ultimately, humans just do what they do. And the only control we ever have is over ourselves, over us. What we think, what we feel, and what we choose to do. But we waste so much time and energy and emotion trying to change these humans to educate them, to manipulate them, to punish them, and it doesn't really work. I mean, even though sometimes it seems to, sometimes it seems like what we did when we screamed or cried or spoke pedantically or modeled something as well, it feels like might have fixed them for a minute or enlightened them or hurt them the way they hurt us. Or maybe the confrontation we gave, we entered into with them, scared them into some sort of attention. Sometimes it seems like it worked, just enough for us to believe that that's how we do it. That's how we change relationships or fix relationships. But I would like to suggest that that way madness lies. As my teacher, Brooke Castillo, likes to say, if changing other people worked, I would be the first one to help you change all the humans. But it doesn't work. And this can be a cycle, right? The more we think about the relationship, the more we think that human over there needs to be just a little different or a lot different. This human needs to say different words and that human needs to take other things seriously. And maybe she needs to change her work ethic or eat differently or be less prejudiced or stop drinking or be more fun. Start, start saving money or vote differently. Or yes, in our community here at Veg Your Best, maybe that human should not be consuming animal products. The more time we spend in that energy of thinking someone else should change, the less time and energy we have to show up as our best selves the less time and energy we have to model the qualities and beliefs that we think are so important for the other people to do, right? The less bandwidth we have to examine ourselves and our own options, our preferences, and even our safety. Because let me insert a quick but very important note about safety. Because this is where sometimes people will argue that if you have a relationship, a parent or a partner who is abusive or dangerous, violent, that your thoughts, my thoughts, they're not the problem. But I would suggest, I would offer respectfully 
that our thoughts can be a problem if they are fixated on how the other person should be, why they should be changing. Because while we are arguing in our brains about why the other person should be different, what the other person should be doing, how they have let us down or betrayed us or gone off the deep end or treated us terribly, well, as adults, we're neglecting our most important power, and that's how to think about ourselves and how to show up with love, compassion, and yes, intelligence for ourselves, even if that means getting legal help, emergency help, medical help. While our brains and thoughts are hijacked by thoughts of what others are doing wrong, we are simply not able to use our brains and our thoughts to the fullest to show up for our own physical, emotional safety and well-being. But most of us here listening to this podcast, we have, I guess you'd call it the normal garden variety issues of well-meaning partners, well-meaning colleagues and family members who are doing or saying things that we 100% really think they should not be doing or saying. Remember the think, feel, act cycle that underlies everything? We've talked about it a few times. So if you have a piece of notepaper, an envelope, a napkin, I'm going to show you how to do the self-coaching model that can help point you to some insights in how this is working in your life, whether you know it or not. Most of the coaches I trained with use a shorthand on a piece of paper, and they, from up to down, they write the letters C-T-F-A-R, shorthand for Circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. So, person X, and for today's example, because it does come up so frequently in my coaching, let's let person X be a spouse or a partner who is not on board with you being vegan or plant-based. So, person X does or says something because... Well, they have free will and human agency, yuck, and that goes in the C line, the circumstance line. And then we have a thought. That, if you're listening at all, obviously goes in the T line, the thought line. Our thoughts then create our feelings or emotions, and that feeling will be written down in the F line. Our feelings drive our actions, our choices, our behaviors, what we do and what we don't do. Those go in the action line, the A line. And our actions, our choices, our behaviors, then are what drive the results that we create in our lives and in our marriages, in all our relationships. The R line, the results line. So if we're willing to trace back the pain or aggravation or distance and disconnect that's showing up in our marriages, we will find the thoughts that are creating that exact experience we don't want. 
Let me give you a couple examples so that you can see how this works. So if person X, the spouse, walks into the kitchen, opens the fridge, and sees a bunch of veggies and tofu packages and says, and I quote, what is all this crap? Don't think I'm going to eat it, unquote. Well, in that case, that would be a fact if person X actually said those words. Whatever he said or did would go into the C line, the circumstance line. And we would then notice what our thoughts are about that C, about that circumstance. So if you had thoughts like, that is so closed-minded, he's never going to change. Or, I've tried everything to get him to improve his diet. Or, he never even tries to cooperate. Well, you choose one of those thoughts that you feel about that circumstance. You choose one that feels most resonant, and that will go in your T-line, the thought line. So, perhaps you would choose the thought, he is so closed-minded. That thought is probably going to create feelings and emotions of, well, something like hopelessness or defeat, powerlessness, judgment. You choose one that feels most real or painful and put that in the F line, the feeling line. So in this case, maybe you're feeling defeated, say. Feeling that way may likely drive you to shut down regarding your husband, to stop trying and communicating. Shut down and not even really acknowledge the efforts that he or she may make to be open or try new things. Or notice where he is cooperative in other areas. And then that result line, that R line, It's just greater and greater disconnection and lack of cooperation because you're closing yourself off. So to recap, C, husband says, what's all this crap? Don't think I'm going to eat it. Thought, he is so closed-minded. Feeling, defeated. Actions, you shut down and you give up. You make an inventory of all the evidence that you're right. He's wrong. Another action might be you don't take the time or make any effort to notice the efforts this spouse has made or the new things he has tried or not take time to notice where you yourself may not have been open-minded, where you may have not been looking to understand where he's coming from and what he wants. And your result, greater and greater disconnection because you are closing your mind about where he is coming from. Let's take another example of my client, Ellen. The thoughts she's now having about a husband who said, well, pretty much the same thing about tofu and veggies filling the fridge. Even if my husband never eats a plant-based diet, she started to think, Well, at least I'm going to know that I did everything I could to help him see the benefits and reasons. Okay, so that was Ellen after some time of thinking about what other thoughts she could have about a husband who did not like what he saw in the fridge. 
and her feeling when she thinks that, well, at least I'm going to know I did everything I could to help him see the benefits and reasons for veggies and tofu, her feeling was maybe optimistic. And when Ellen feels optimistic, when she feels optimism, what actions does that feeling engender? Optimistic allows Ellen to sometimes chuckle a little bit when her husband reacts to that food in the fridge. Optimism allows her to be a little friendlier or more loving when her husband is grouchy about the food. Optimism keeps her focused on the long run. It keeps her noticing any small wins, like when her husband does eat a new veggie or fruit. Optimism keeps her from concentrating so much on what's wrong in his diet, and it keeps her providing and presenting a wide choice of plant-based foods regardless of his comments. Optimism reminds Ellen of how she used to eat a lot more animal products in, in the past, and she wasn't a big fan of tofu either in the beginning. And what's the result? Ellen shows up the way she knows she wants to regarding the foods she offers and consumes. You know, there are so many things in our lives that we cannot change, but we can change our attitude, our thoughts. And when we do, it really is a waterfall effect. It impacts our emotions, all our actions, and of course, our results. And one other quick note, the result line never includes other people. Ellen's result line does not include her husband eating in a completely different way. It just includes herself. Okay? We do not do it to change others or manipulate others. We examine our thoughts and results to see how we are showing up and influencing the world that we are creating. So that does not mean Ellen's husband will ever eat the way she wants or be grateful for tofu and kohlrabi in the fridge. But it does mean that the atmosphere of tension dramatically lifted for Ellen. And if you were hoping to encourage someone to try something different, which atmosphere would you prefer? A defeated one? or an optimistic atmosphere. So, C-T-F-A-R, circumstance, thought, feeling, actions, results. And I would strongly encourage you to try this for yourself, this model, because even done very imperfectly, I think many of us will immediately get something from it. An experienced coach can help you get the most out of it because it is truly difficult for us to see our thoughts. But if you are open-minded and experimental about it, you can definitely get life-changing insights right from the beginning. Right from the beginning. I know I did. Because it's an opportunity for us to notice where we have power, where we have influence, and where we may be abandoning that power because it's a little easier and more familiar for our focus to stay hijacked by what others are doing wrong. Last week, we talked about the power of one, the power of one person to make 
a huge difference. And while we are focused on wanting the other one in the relationship to make a change, we can be neglecting the power we ourselves have to choose thoughts that serve us and serve our relationships. Now this week I talked more about the model, the CTFAR model, to help us see our thoughts, feelings, and actions in a framework that sheds some light on the results we are actually creating. And next week we'll do one more episode, at least one more, about coaching tools and relationships, how to really start changing our thoughts and the power of gratitude in relationships. I know that last one, the power of gratitude. It sounds kind of uh, cheap and very last century, but the Stoics have some wisdom to share about gratitude, which is very first century, as in first century AD of the Common Era. Not just to be grateful for the things we like, clean water, warm clothes in winter, nice friends, dental care, but also for the things we don't particularly like. More about that next week, but a snippet right here from Marcus Aurelius. Convince yourself that everything is a gift, that things are good and always will be. Marcus Aurelius knows that complete gratitude for everything can be a big ask, so notice that he begins the sentence, Convince yourself. Convince yourself that everything is a gift, that things are good and always will be. As I started the podcast, I mentioned that there are people who are all in on this, right? Some of them are, yep, Marcus, I am all in. And then there's a second group who are, yeah, thanks for nothing, Marcus, privileged dead white guy. And then there are people like me, maybe like you, who are willing to give it a go, to give it a test. And that's actually great because changing our thoughts works whether we believe it or not. So make your own worksheet. Label the far left column CTFAR, circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. And then give it a go, doing a couple models this week. You can certainly email me for some feedback on your model, or you can message me on Instagram or Facebook. The links are always in the show notes. And if you want a printed out version of the model for you to download, I will have a link for that called, how about Download Model Worksheet? Okay, does that work? Download Model Worksheet. Of course, the best, most efficient way for you to learn how to start self-coaching is to spend eight weeks coaching with me. All my clients start with an eight-week program and we go into the whole process much deeper and we use lots of extra tools to bring real awareness to the way we see things, how we see things, and we constrain to a certain area, one or two areas, to really make changes. So if you want to do one-on-one coaching for eight weeks, email me or you can even log yourself into my calendar for a consult call through my website. And if, by the way, you didn't hear this great podcast, Vegetarian Zen, Vegetarian Zen on March 21st, I was the guest and the hosts, Vicki and Larissa, 
did me an incredible honor of finishing up that episode with a testimonial that actually brought me to tears. I have had the honor of coaching each of them on some of their goals, and they are just remarkable people. Anyway, listen to Vegetarian Zen, all the episodes. They've got hundreds and hundreds. I think they started in 2013. I'm not sure. It's a long time uh, podcast, and I listened to it since long before I became vegan. But the episode that I'm on is March 21st. Anyway, that's enough. Even if you think that life coaching and I are full of pinto beans, maybe just in the back of your mind, allow the idea that your thoughts are creating your results to just hang out there next to your idea that I am a kook. Okay? Your thoughts create your results. And it's working whether you believe it or not. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So, until next week, make it easy and veg your best.